Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Modern Sage podcast. It's Leah Guy here, your host, and I'm continuing the story today of my experience in the haunted house on Whedon Street. I love hearing your feedback about the story. It seems like many of you are into it and are riveted by the telling of it, and I'm really happy to hear that. It was quite an experience to live through, and um, as I was looking back over my notes for this week's podcast, you know, some of the dates start to become blurry because this whole experience uh, lasted over two to three years. The intensity of the um, experience was hard to kind of capture. But anyway, so we're kind of caught up. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, I hope that you go back and listen to it. That last experience I had with the dark energy at the door as I found my voice I started to feel like something was shifting within me and also at this house. And so I'm going to continue today, um, basically just as a reminder that by now we're in 2022, this is my home and I've been here for about a year and a half, almost two years. And well, I guess it's been two years at this point. And so there's both this level of comfort here and also the exhaustion for those of you who listened to my interview with Barbara a few weeks ago, the psychic comedian Barbara, she mentioned about how, quote, Edward, the dark energy was trying to destroy me and take me down through my health primarily. And around this time, in I, I can't remember if it was 2021 or 2022, I began having skin issues. And Barbara specifically asked me if I had um, any skin issues. And I know a lot of people have skin issues, but I've never really had skin issues of any type. And I, I had what I thought was shingles. And I talked about it on other podcasts and in my workshops and so forth, because not only did I have it once, I began having shingles like every couple of months. It was a recurring case. I was going to the acupuncture. I was taking herbs. I went to all kinds of different therapies and healings and and of course, started to look at the emotional uh, meaning of this kind of skin eruption and what I could do to work on that personally to help shift that. What I believe about health in general is that our health is representative of different things going on within us emotionally, mentally, and of course, physically, but one affects and informs the other. And so I began looking kind of deeper at my own work and anything that was trying to express itself. And I made some great headway. I feel like I, I did some um, bioenergetics and work with Brema and Chinese medicine and various things to help me access deeper parts of myself to continue uh, my healing journey as well. And so these shingles, it did seem to start to coincide with the energies going on at the house. I've since learned that it wasn't shingles after all, it was another virus um, in my body. And as I explained to many people, this dark energy at the house, it felt like a virus itself. So here we are in, I think, early 21. I may have misquoted the dates in the last podcast. After I put my dog Corky down, I decided to give myself some time to grieve and heal and just rest from all the activity that the house required. And of course the animals and my work and COVID and so forth. I was, as I said, really exhausted and my body was starting to respond. 
there was a little less activity now with the dream time after that last one where I was using my voice and completely resisting with all the power I had to have that dark energy not come in the door. So there were some other bizarre things that happened that I think kind of helped me to slow down, wake up, take time off. In addition to the skin issue that, that I was having on my body, um, there was one day when I sprained my ankle out on the road and then I came in the house and I sprained the ankle again, going down the stairs. And then my friend who has since passed came over, the one person that I knew that I'd met came over to help tend to me because I had all these stairs and I had a dog and I couldn't walk. And she came and boiled some water for a water bottle and handed it to me. And the top of the water bottle was not screwed on completely. And I grabbed the water bottle, bringing it towards my chest and the boiling water went on my neck and then flowed down my back. And I ended up with third degree burns on my neck. So there was this one particular weekend that I was basically couch ridden and couldn't walk and had to have my um, shoulders exposed and cleaning this wound for about a period of a week or so. And that time was very challenging and difficult, but it also allowed me to rest and get some perspective on what I was doing on all I had done at the house how far things have come and what I still needed to do to rise up to the occasion. And for, for myself, and I think for many of us, part of that was recognizing a bit of victim mentality that was still living in my cells. It's hard for us to own a victim mentality a lot of times because it's not a kind of endearing quality. And yet we kind of regularly imagine things that happen to us as if life is out to get us. And especially when we've had traumas and experiences that have been challenging, I would not consider myself a victim, but as I laid there pretty much incapacitated, I was feeling that energy of victimness in me. And for me personally, it was a draining, disempowering feeling that I no longer wanted to have. So back to my notes, bizarre things just continued to happen. I didn't write down every single one because there was just way too many to write down. But I remember one day I go outside and near the shed, there was a, um, probably a two foot by two foot and an inch or two thick slab of concrete over a hole that I think used to be a cistern. It was a very dry kind of well underneath or next to the shed and the entire concrete ground cover that covered that hole had been moved. And it was very alarming because it was up on the second patio. There was no reason for it to move and no animal could have done it. It was way too heavy. And so I just simply moved it back. I took a picture, I moved it back and I was completely per perplexed. Within a week or so of the sprained ankles and the burn on my neck, I went up to the bedroom. And remember this house is 200 years old and it's a lovely, beautiful house with many original elements. Um, the exposed beams are all original. The floors are still original, the stone walls. 
there's a lot of character and an original um, detail to the house. In my bedroom on the third floor was the original floors. And they had been refinished at some point. They were really hardwood floors and they're just beautiful. Well, I walked in front of the bed and my foot goes literally into the floor. The one side of the wood plank flipped up and hit my leg. It was a short wood plank. And I believe it was someone cut that wood plank to get electricity in that area because there was an air conditioning there and an outlet and so forth. And luckily my foot didn't go through the ceiling, but of course it scared the crap out of me. And it was the same foot to the sprained ankle leg that had happened just weeks before. So I pull the wood out of the floor and I look between the wood floor and the ceiling. There's no insulation. There's no nothing. It's hollow. And what I found in there was hundreds of baggies and needles and rubber bands. It was a hiding place for some addict that had been there at some point in time. I cleaned it all out. I collected it and disposed of it. But the feeling that it left me with was that tortured, that tortured soul feeling of someone else who had been in this house who was struggling. And maybe they weren't struggling to the energy of the house. They were maybe just personally struggling but maybe one affects the other. So not too long after this period of time, after I put my dog Corky down, I began looking at puppies online. To me, having animals is one of the greatest heart opening things that we can do. And I know a lot of people have lost animals and I know animals are a lot of work, but I think caring for an animal, having the companionship of an animal um, sharing love in that way with these beautiful creatures is one of the most beautiful and heart connecting things that we can do. And of course I was missing my Corky. It had been several weeks now. And I started looking at puppy images online. I knew I didn't want to get a puppy right away, but I just couldn't help looking at the puppies. And I went to the dog shelters and I started walking the dogs at the shelters. And I found a couple that I thought I would want to adopt, but it didn't work out. On Facebook, I was kind of looking around at the puppies and so forth. And I found this couple at the shore who had some puppies. I had been communicating with this couple for a couple of weeks and had videos of this particular puppy. And what I knew that I wanted after going through the experience with Corky, who was disabled, for 12 years, what my heart and soul really wanted was to be with a healthy, functioning, happy, loving puppy, someone who didn't need the same kind of attention that Corky did, although I was happy to give it to him, but a puppy that wasn't overly protective, like my first dog, Mocha, a puppy that was able to jump in and out of cars, unlike Corky and didn't need to wear diapers and go to the doctors every week. On February 16th, my latest book, overcoming toxic emotions became born into the world. It was published and I had the hard copies and it was available for purchase on February 16th. So I decided I wanted to take the day off and go to the beach at Asbury and just enjoy the day and kind of celebrate the launch of the book. And so, you know, the puppy was down the shore, not too far from Asbury. And I thought, what the heck, I'm just going to go by and meet the puppy and I don't have to get a puppy. Let me just go see what this little puppy is about. So I drove to meet the puppy and guess what? 
my heart just burst open. She was the cutest little girl I'd ever seen in my life. And so I went to meet her and it was cold outside. It was February. She was no more than three pounds or something. Then I went up to Asbury and I enjoyed the day and I celebrated the book launch. And it was just so nice to have a break from the house and fresh air and the ocean air in my lungs. And I talked to my friend in California, Michael, who also loves dogs. And he was obviously aware of all that I had been through at the house and losing my Corky. So he was highly encouraging and helped me to make the decision to go and get little Callie. And that's what I ended up naming her Callie for California. And this little Callie, who's still with me, many of you see on social media, she has been not just a precious companion and the sweetest, most loving, active dog that I've ever met. For me, she was an integral part of helping to change the energy at this house. So I bring Callie home in February and not too long after that, um, after we did our training and fell in love with each other and she got to know Cosmo the cat and we formed a new little family together at the house full of new life and love and happiness and of course, stress and frustration of having a puppy. I had scheduled to have the kitchen remodeled. As you know, the kitchen is the heart of the home and the kitchen in the house when I bought it was one of the most needed areas of remodeling. It was disgusting. It was an L shape with very old fixtures and so forth and cabinets and countertops, but also the cabinets were old. They weren't even really hung on the walls. There was foam sticking out everywhere. It was just unfinished from the beginning and it was never good in the first place. And there was things that weren't working. It was just really, really bad holes in the floor, holes in the walls. It was really bad. So I had hired a kitchen designer to help me design a kitchen. This was probably the biggest and most expensive job that I, did at the house to date, I was terrified because I'd never done anything like this. And also when you do a kitchen, you know, where are you going to eat? How are you going to function <laughs> and feed the animals in the sinks and all that kind of stuff? So it was a, a stressful time and it was an amazing time. Me, some friends, the contractors, we got into the kitchen, we ripped out the ceiling, we ripped out the cabinets, the sledgehammer, taking it to the walls. It was a deconstruction that was so powerful, poignant, and cathartic for me and this house. I can't even describe the experience as it went on. And I was hands-on with it the entire time. The wood that came out of the house, some of it out of the kitchen, some of it was so beautiful that I salvaged it and later had pieces remade with that wood. Other pieces of the wood in the cabinets, we ended up burning in the fire pit. And if you heard that interview with Barbara, she mentioned of how, quote, Edward really smelled. And I want to tell you that when we burned the wood in the kitchen, the smell off of that wood was so putrid and disgusting. You could not be outside with it. It was horrendous. In fact, the whole entire kitchen, as we started dismantling it and they were taking pieces out, it was disgusting in between the, um, the bar area where they had a wall built in the middle of the room. There were hundreds of thousands of peanut shells <laughs> from squirrels and mice who had been living in there. There were mouse turds everywhere and the wood and the odor itself of all of it, it was just putrid. 
And as we started breaking it all down, of course, I found more and more items inside the house, some very trivial, but all of which I kept because to me, they're all very special. One thing I love about this house and the uniqueness of it is there's a couple of locations in the, near the back door and inside the sliding glass door where people have carved their initials in the stone or on the wall of the house. Their last names are there. In the found objects, we found a postcard back from 1913 with handwriting that was received there. And in the walls throughout the house, between the floors and the walls, I have found these children's items. And it reminded me of the child energy that is so present there, those little girls up in the loft. And some of the child items that I found were more current, like 70s or 80s. And some of them are those little plastic army men of various colors. I found the green ones. I found blue and white ones. I found other little trinkets and toys, children's uh, coat hangers, so many special items. I haven't found a bag of money yet, <laughs> but maybe someday. But these special little items, it just, to me, it's the sweetness of families that have lived there, as well as the symbolism of the childlike youthful spirits that have, that have made that place their home, whether they wanted it to be or not. Also in the kitchen, not only did I open up the whole space, but on the wall that remained, I cut out a window to look into the family room, which also looks out towards the river and the ceiling, the exposed beams we left open. And it just turned into kind of a work of art. I had that resurrected wood hand carved for the shelves and for a countertop. It is absolutely gorgeous. I made a sitting area where there was once a bar and a dirty kind of nook and a new pantry. It's just beautiful. And I feel so proud of that transformation that happened there. And not only proud, but it really helped heal that space. A new floor that's solid and stable. Everything is clean and fresh and new and functional. The water is running and draining with ease. And all of these things, whether you consider feng shui or just energy in a space or light or however you want to look at it, that whole area of the second floor, the heart of the home now seemed happy. It took months and between the animals, a new puppy, the kitchen remodel, the Airbnb going on downstairs, the COVID, the energies in the house, my skin eruptions that were happening. It was about all that I could handle. And I knew I was becoming stronger. I had lived at this house now two years. And while there were still plenty of challenges left and some of this energy still lurking around the space, I was starting to feel stronger every day. I was starting to feel like it was my place to take ownership of the space, the land, and myself, to be the matriarch of my own life and the family that I had created. I started to really feel strong and solid in a way that although I felt that way in my past, this was a new level. I also began feeling much more connected and trusting of not only myself, but in my connection and communication to spirit. Later that summer, you may recall that I had put up this mosquito net all around the bed. As I started to feel more confident and more trusting, I started to cut away the netting. So the first thing I did was to cut away the sides of the netting and I left the overhang 
and the drop in front of the bed. It was a little difficult to get used to at first, a little, it felt very vulnerable to not be protected in that way, but I felt ready for it. The skin issues continued to come and I had to turn my attention more to my own health. September of 2022, somewhere along this spring and summer, I started to meet some of the people staying in the Airbnb. Now that COVID was becoming more relaxed and people were outside more with the weather, all of us were breathing a sigh of relief that maybe we can interact with one another now and be normal again. A couple of the people that were staying down there, I came to realize that they were there to go to this public speaking school. And lo and behold, one of the top public speaking schools in the whole country, if not the world, is right across the street from my house. It's called Heroic Public Speaking. And I decided to inquire. It's an invitation-only school. You have to be invited by um, someone else and vetted in their process. This program is about a 10-month program, so it was a hefty commitment in both time, money, and energy. When I was in bed watching Netflix and I was watching The Kaminsky Method, I had pulled up the drape on the end of the bed and there's a TV there and it was nice to relax and just watch a show. And I'd been watching The Kaminsky Method for a few weeks and I was on the final episode. There was a scene that really impacted me. And that scene was when Michael Douglas, the main character, he's gotten a role in a feature film. And in the scene in the Kaminsky Method, he was talking to his ex-wife on the phone one early morning as he was driving down this Hollywood Boulevard, looking at the sign for his mo movie's promotional billboard. And he said to her, can I tell you a secret? I've lived my life with a broken heart. When I was a kid, I didn't dream about being an acting coach. My dream was to be an actor. And when that didn't happen, I convinced myself that maybe teaching was what I was really meant to do, that maybe it was somehow even better than my silly childhood dream. That may not be verbatim, but if you'd like to see it ver verbatim, you can watch it on my website on the speaker reel. That scene stirred me and I got up out of the bed and it was late at night. And even with all the going ons at the house, I ran outside to the patio and I paced, I paced the patio and I was feeling my soul stir. I was feeling my spirit come to life. And I, I just had tears come out of my eyes and I was looking up at the sky and I felt so emotional because I realized that I too had lived the majority of my life with a broken heart. And it wasn't that I wasn't doing what I wanted in my career because I was, although there was parts of me that I had abandoned along the way. It was the parts of me that stayed connected to the fear and the insecurities and the traumas and the limited beliefs and the hiding and all of these things that have kept me from going full steam ahead with what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And there was a broken heartedness within me that I resonated with when Michael Douglas said that. And I stood out in the night and I cried and I felt like I had a breakthrough that now it was possible for me through the strength that I had gained from the willingness to face the darkness, to face my own inner ghosts, to go for the life that I really wanted to have, to express myself with power, claim what is mine, to release any victimness. And so I stood out there in the cold of the night with my feet on those cold stones on the patio in a wash of relief and a connection to myself and spirit that I don't know that I'd ever had 
before this time. And I turned towards the house and I immediately thanked her with tears of joy just came over me for the entirety of the experience, for all the terror, for the confusion, for the exhaustion, for the, the breakdowns, for the fear of having to go through all that alone. I knew at that time that it was for me. It was a transformative time in my life to help get me reconnected back to what I am doing here. And the whole the past two years began to take on a new meaning for me. The next day I woke up and I called the public speaking school and I said, yes, I want to come. I want to invest in myself. I want to say yes to this. And what I'm going to work on at this school is going to be a speech that now has become a one woman show that has now also become a screenplay about the story that I have to tell. And the message of that story is that when we allow ourselves to trust the darkness, we ignite a power within that will free us from fear and limitation. It is my belief that we all have ghosts of our past and those ghosts want to be freed. We're going to leave it there for today. I want to wish all of you who listen to this in real time, a happy holiday season and an amazing start to a new year. You'll find me live on Instagram coming soon and a lot more so on social media coming next year, but please do check my website, leahguy.com for information about my courses and events as I'm planning an event on manifestation and uh, self-expression very soon in early 2024. I hope you have a great week.